Oh yeah. Funky musics to wake you up on a Monday. You know what else wakes you up on a Monday, Patrick? What at? It's that Strava Craft coffee. You know it's CBD infused. You can purchase it in K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get it in whole bean. You can get it ground any way. It's going to be delicious. It's going to be infused with CBD and it could potentially change your life. Use that promo code DNVR20. You will get 20% off your entire purchase. And I will tell you, it can make a difference, especially if you're drinking a whole lot of coffee. You don't want to get those shakes. You don't want to get those caffeine crashes. You don't want to have all the negative things that come with coffee and some of the things that just come from life, anxiety, migraines. Try it out. Let me know what you think. Tag Strava, tag DNVR, tag me personally. I want to hear about your Strava Craft Coffee story. And remember, if you use the promo code DNVR20, you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that deliciously rich CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee. Go in the air, deep right center field. David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Hey, welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Use promo code DNVR20 and you will receive 20% off your entire purchase. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is DNVR Rockies beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on today's show, we got some fun stuff to do. We're going to introduce a new segment, something we hope to do a lot more of. We're talking about baseball memorabilia. There's so much of it out there. Patrick and I have accrued. I love any opportunity you can use the word accrued is a good one. Uh, much of it over our years, and we'd like to share some of it with you, share some of our stories, and maybe even I'm um, just now having this thought, Patrick, but in in time, and you, I think you already know where I'm going, people can oh, yeah. come on the show yes. and share some of their favorite pieces of baseball memorabilia with us. We're going to start introducing more of these elements where you out there, listener, viewer, hopefully you're joining us live either on Facebook or Twitch or on Periscope, but especially on YouTube, really trying to push that. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Make sure you give it a little like. It makes it so that more people can find us, and it's the easiest way to interact with us live. So make sure that you're doing all of those things, subscribing to that, and we're going to start bringing some of you on the show, so you're going to want to see it. You're going to want to see everyone's bright and shining smiling faces so we're going to talk about some memorabilia today we are going to go through a baseball classic and what we hope will be another ongoing segment and we are going to take an analytic baseball look at major league and how things might have played out differently if the modern lens of super analytics were applied to the baseball 
in that film. But first, Patrick, we've got to spend just a little bit of time talking about the latest in baseball and a little bit of news and, and some wrap-up on the MLB draft. Thank you, everyone who joined us in our coverage last week. Uh, little did you know that things were not quite over. Patrick, what is the latest out there that people need to know? Right. If a player has not been selected after the first five rounds, uh, the 48-hour waiting period and holding period has ended. So starting today at, uh, excuse me, yeah, Sunday at 9 a.m., players were available to be signed. Now it's only for $20,000 is the maximum. Previously, the, the maximum was $125,000. A big difference. A <laughs> major difference. Those are different numbers, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's under 20%. So... Uh, drastic difference, and so some teams have already put some packs together. Um, the Cubs and Royals are, are at the front of things with close to about eight players each. And Colorado has signed their first undrafted free agent. He is a catcher. He's at the he's out of the University of South Carolina, Aiken, representing the Pacers. Uh, it's Division two school. Originally had had agreed to to go to fre uh, Arizona State as a freshman, which he he played there his freshman year. Graduated uh, a year early. Graduated. Uh, high school as a junior after taking 10 classes, several of which were online. We've got the exclusive there for you. Spoke with his coach over at USC Aiken, uh, Coach Kenny Thomas. So we got the breakdown on Luke Lysenrig. And, uh, and and he's, again, another play you can get excited about, dream about. And, again, as we know, he might not become a superstar, but he could, he could become a valuable member uh, of the Major League Club, Colorado Rockies. If not, he'll certainly be a valued member anywhere he ends up in the minor leagues in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, you can no more hand wave this away than you could a seventh or twelfth round draft pick, right? There, like this guy could very much be a thing. And just looking at the profile very briefly of what you've written up, you're like, well, yep, another guy you can dream on. That's that's a a potential dude. Uh, and, and the Rockies needed some of those, and, and we'll find out more and more as we go through. And I think your piece is a really good starting place for people. But For sure, yeah. He could have gone anywhere from 6th to 10th round. There was there was a coach, uh, excuse me, a, an executive with one MLB team that, that told Coach Thomas, this guy, we're interested in him in the 6th round. And the Rockies just got him. So, again, they got their six picks in the first five rounds. You might even be able to say they took a, another sixth-round selection there. So really improving the depth and, again, kind of making this a, a pretty interesting, albeit a small, draft class for 2020. I want to thank Dan for his comments on yesterday's show, though I might uh, quibble about whether or not yesterday was a show. I turned on a camera and I talked for nearly an hour with no notes. But I appreciate uh, the comments because I did that. We're not going to re Ooh, today's show is going to be fun. Yes, we're not rehashing it. Uh, I do want to get a quick thumbs up, thumbs down from you, Patrick. Uh, do you think we're going to play baseball this year, Major League Baseball this year? I'm going in the middle. Ah, Roman, Roman Emperor. <laughs> this entire time, I figured the players and and you know the owners. They'd come to an agreement somehow, some way. Didn't, didn't know how, just in my gut, an overall sense, not worrying too much about the day-to-day -day stuff. It's the same thing with Nolan Arenado. We were asked at the Denver Press Club, and, hey, will Nolan Arenado you know, finish his career as a Rocky, or, or is he going to be off this team in a year or two? And mm -hmm. I was the first one up. I said yes, and everyone laughed, and then everyone else said no. And, again, that was just off of my general sense of things and how this industry works. And as it turns out, 
he probably will end up staying with the Colorado Rockies with all of the, the turmoil going on in the world. And so it was kind of with that general, you know, 30,000 foot view overlook that I said, they'll figure out a way. And now, because they haven't had a deal in place that they should have had over two weeks ago, I really don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. It's very scary. It is. It is. I'll, I'll end that part of the conversation by giving the thumbs up. And, okay. and, I, and I'll say, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that's a great thing for everybody involved. I do think it's going to feel very much to the players like they've just given up and given in and done whatever the owners wanted. But I think those are the parameters. I think we're going to get an announcement within the week. Um, and it'll just be the owners have decided this is what it is and we're going. Um, and people are going to be disgruntled and we're going to hear about it all season. And there's going to be a lot of that, too, because I think it'll be between 50 and 60 games. Um but I think once the postseason rolls around, if it's good baseball, they can win a lot of people back. So, for sure, some, as long as there's a season, ball feelings. Yeah, <laughs> as long as there's a season, we can we can figure out and we can contextualize things. You know, the the only thing you have to worry about is, you know, a guy hitting 400. Did he hit 400? We can talk about that. We can have conversation. We can have little asterisks or just say again, full seasons. This is an anomaly. We could figure it out. We can we can use our words to try to equivocate. You know what's happening. A guy wins a triple crown. Well, he didn't win it over the course of a full season, and and we'll we'll sort that out. So, uh, as just yeah, just get baseball back. Get the guys on the field. Let the players do what they do best, and we'll we'll be all right uh, as a country. <laughs> right, right, exactly. At least in right. that area. I, well, yeah, yeah. On that front, the other fronts still some work to do. <laughs> um, so, uh, time to crack open a Breck brew. I'm, I'm really on that mile-high copper lager kick right now. It's just the perfect, perfect, like it's a summer beer. I don't get to be outside much. I go out in my backyard a little bit. I take in some sun. I drink the mile-high copper lager. It makes me feel like I'm outside at a ball game, uh, you know, taking in the sun, watching the game. I realize there's not. I can pretend. I can hear the sounds in my head. I can I can get the little, little little bat noises going, but if you if you're out in the area or you feel like making a little bit of a drive now that things are opening up a little bit more, if you feel safe, head on out to the farmhouse. You can order some delicious food and booze anytime between noon and 8 p.m. If you call 303-803-1380, they'll have it ready for you there to pick up, and you use code DNVR, you save five bucks. They've got delicious wings. They've got delicious barbecue. I'm sure the burgers are good. I haven't tried them personally myself, but I have tried. I don't. I I'm, I haven't tried all the Breckenridge brew there are, but I've tried all of the Breckenridge brew I've been able to get my hands on. <laughs> That's correct, and it is all delicious. The Mile High Copper Lager is my go-to at home. You get the 15 can pack of that you can also get a 15 can sampler if you come down to the dnvr bar i highly highly recommend the mango mosaic on tap it is ah oh it is delicious very very tasty all right patrick it's time to jump into our big topic of conversation for the day uh hopefully we don't ruin major league for anybody now i love this idea you 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 pitched it and i said um yeah, this this could be never ending. You can do this with just about any sports movie, 
and this is this is a real brilliant idea and it may enhance it may ruin uh we're not quite sure yet but we're going to try to ha- you know make this conversation as fun as possible so that we don't ruin movies we already know there's a a suspension of disbelief, a kid breaking his arm and pitching in the major leagues. If you can get past that, you should have no problems with this conversation. So if you can get past the idea of what you see in major league, you're already in and viewing this film with through through uh, different parameters. And, and, and Drew's got a really good take on this. Yeah. So I had to create a couple of rules for myself on the fly because obviously, you know, the premise of this movie involves an owner who's very purposefully trying not to win baseball games. Tank. And so, yeah. so to, to tank, right? And so I suppose you could even go into like a more realistic way of tanking. I decided early on, uh, that's not the road I was going to take. I, I was thinking more or less, how would this team be run differently if the manager and GM were analytically inclined uh, by today's standards? Right. Even with the ownership problems, because you can throw all of the like when she purposefully like the doesn't let the whirlpool work and gets them a tiny plane and stuff like obviously that's not analytic. That's that's not a good use of your your resources. So we're going to put that stuff aside and just take a look at a couple things here. And, And really, we have to jump past the first hurdle of thinking if you're analytically inclined, if you have if you've got Billy Bean as your GM. And you got a, a manager even like Bud Black who definitely thinks in, in those parameters. You you couldn't have the movie. Like you have to be, right. all right, give me all of the analytics, who's good, who's not. All right, delete the whole first five pages of players. Who do we have left on the bottom? Who are the veterans that we can pay, you know, maybe league minimum to? They're awful to guarantee that we lose games. Right, Which right. Maybe, maybe is actually what's happening. So I take that back. I think, <laughs> I think, I think you need an analytical mind to select those players. You would have to. You would almost have to know. And and one of the things the movie tries to sell you on is that these guys are like unknown, right? So like, okay, I can I can kind of buy that. Like, you wouldn't have much information on these guys, especially back then. Uh, but and we'll get back to that thought in just a second. But it, it really does start up top with the owner handing the manager a list of players that are going to be invited uh, or handing the GM, excuse me, a list of players that are going to be invited to spring training, which is just hilarious. Um, and, and even in a team that had uh, very, like that wouldn't happen on the Rockies 10 years ago, an owner just being like, here's who we're inviting to spring or 20 years ago, even like, gee, the, 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 um, so, so that right away is that there's a great line early on that sums up what we're doing here too in that meeting where the GM uh, says, so what is the team concept? I just thought that was a really funny line considering everything that's about to unfurl here. Um, then this whole beginning really does fall into the category of what you're talking about, Patrick. I've called it the, what the hell does this team's farm system look like category? Like, what happened here? Because we've got a number of scenes at the beginning. My favorite is where uh, the GM is standing with the manager and the players are coming in because it's a hilarious scene. And he's explaining this guy's from here, he's from there. He played in the California Penal League. That guy, I don't remember Willie Mays Hayes on the list. But the manager has never heard of his ball players until day one of spring training. This guy's watched no video. He's looked up zero statistics on these guys. 
bad, bad start. That that's probably the exact guy the owner wanted, right? She was a Las <laughs> right. Vegas showgirl who becomes the owner of the team because her husband passes away. So she says, I, I need somebody that knows nothing about baseball. Hey, how about a, a guy who's more analytically inclined than a guy who knows about baseball? And maybe that's a way to kind of skirt around it. As far as the minor league system goes, again, could this happen mm-hmm. in 2020? Absolutely. Because if your minor league players are talented mm-hmm. at all, you wouldn't want them to start accruing to use a word that you invented, uh, accruing service time and becoming closer to free agents. So if you want this team to be bad, you certainly don't want any plucky upstarts coming in and really, you know, making this team believe and, hey, look at this guy's enthusiasm. It's really pumping us up. We're winning games here. We're kind of following their lead. And then, you know, you win more games than you should have. And then later on down the line, again, when you start to become good, now these guys start costing more money. So you're right. They, They would... They wouldn't do anything with the minor leaguer, so it, 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 that kind of fits in, in a sense. Everything right. you're saying actually is kind of true. <laughs> it's, it, it's not that it makes the movie not work. Again, the movie actually kind of works in this way because yeah. they're purposefully trying to not be analytically inclined. If, if they were, the manager would have some information on day one of spring training about who his baseball players are. Uh, and another one that, that I really like from this moment is they uh, – they introduce Roger Dorn as the only high-priced player on the team. Roger Dorn is a shortstop with notoriously terrible defense who ends the year batting 271 with 86 RBI. So who signed that contract? <laughs> like that's 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 the high-priced guy you got. He's notoriously bad at defense. He plays shortstop. Move him to second or third base. You're also Cleveland. You play in the American League. He could go to DH. I mean, he, Roger Dorn would be the guy that would be your all-star. Keep in mind, at this time in the '80s, if you were hitting 80, if you had 80 RBIs, excuse me, RBI, you were close to an all-star. There was definitely a lull in in offensive power. So, you know, 271 with with 82 RBI, like that's that's actually really quality. Uh, and I think you you get to see his personality, and you go. Well, yeah, he uh, offensively, he's a guy that any American League team would love to have as their DH, but, man, he really rubs people the wrong way. He's a jerk. <laughs> we just don't want him on our team. You know? That's how he ends up with Cleveland. Right. Uh, so, all right. Uh, then famous scene, iconic scene, Willie Mays Hayes is played by Wesley Snipes. Uh, after getting removed from uh, the, the building the night before, gets up in his pajamas, outruns some guys, uh, doing a 40 or a 60, I'm not quite sure. No problem with that. Fine, he can be that fast. Uh, but the manager, upon seeing this guy run 60 yards, says, get him a uniform. He's seen him display one tool, the least important tool in all of baseball, and this guy gets a spring training invite. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously rather rare, uh, to, to say the least. And, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Herb Washington is the name of the gentleman for uh, the, the Oakland Athletics in the late 70s where he was a sprinter and his job was literally a pinch runner. He wasn't good at pinch hitting. He was a pinch runner. He never had a plate appearance over the course of two seasons. He played uh, in 105 games, all of which where he was a pinch runner. That's it. 
He scored right. 29 runs. He stole 29 bases, 16 caught stealing in 1974. He literally was hired because he was super fast. And it was, hey, let's try this new idea out, right? That's Charlie Finley. Finley that's the athletics that he built. So you're right. Analytically, it makes no sense unless you go, let's, let's try something different. If we're going to tank, let's lose games, but let's learn something too. Right. Again, in a weird way, that almost works as well. It almost does, as does. And you're going to see, you're, you're planting seeds. You're, you're not even ready for the mea culpa at the end of this thing, dude, because it's a uh, – well, I don't want to give it away. This next here, – here's an early chapter in this story that we're eventually going to get to the dramatic climax of very famously, again, a famous part of the movie, Lou Brown – Tells so he's given him a uniform. He's given Willie Mays Hayes the uniform because he's fast. And then he sees him popping stuff up at the plate. And he famously tells him, "You're speedy. You got to hit the ball on the ground. Every time you hit the ball in the air, you have to do 20 push-ups." Intrinsically, and, and for an old school baseball person, that's like, "Yeah, man, use your speed, leg stuff out." But that is the least like coming out of the juiced ball. Everybody should hit the ball in the air. Era and just the idea of never hitting a line drive even seems absolutely absurd i don't care how fast you are you can't beat out every single ground ball this is terrible analytic advice yeah i mean he runs like maze and he hits like one of two things uh most predominantly <laughs> he hits like haze but you're right if 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 he continues with that uppercut swing man he willie maze Hayes could have been at the, the the front and he could have been an early innovator with launch angles he could have run like maze and also hit like maze yeah. using an analytical approach Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this was not related to analytics, but I just took note. They were playing at High Corbett Field in spring training, former home that, of the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they filmed in, in Tucson. That That's interesting uh, parallels. I'm it's probably not the first. Uh, yeah. First between, between, you know, Cleveland here in this film and a lot of other teams. But we're talking about the Rockies. This is a Rockies podcast, so we're going to look at those similarities first and foremost. Absolutely. Uh Another question that hangs over the entire movie as they put the team together here at the beginning is that there are really only two pitchers who we get to know at all. One of them is a 40-year-old, well past his prime, barely hanging on by a thread dude. Eddie <laughs> Harris. Eddie Harris. Junk baller. Clearly who's, who's Gaylord Perry. Doctoring the baseball at every chance he's given the opportunity. And, of course, Rick Vaughn, who, by the way, maybe now's the time. I'm mixing two points together here, but um, Rick Vaughn's job title is nebulous throughout this entire thing, too. It's very unclear. Uh, it, I think by the end, they make it sound like he's supposed to have been a starter this whole time. Yeah, I think But we so. see him come out of the bullpen way more than we ever see him start. Um. So, so, so that's a bit of a, a weird conundrum there. But for, yeah, for a team that was analytically inclined, and this is actually one of the big critiques of the Moneyball book and movie is not a big enough deal is made about the pitching. And I agree, Tracy Ringlesby, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, it's like the only way a team of misfits and nobodies from out of nowhere is going to win the American League pennant is if they pitch good. Like you, you see all the games they win, they're low scoring, all this stuff. Where are the pitchers? Who are the people stopping these other teams from scoring 10 runs a game? <laughs> if your best two guys, one of them can't throw a strike and the other guy 
is 50 years old. It's, it's either that or, or there's some hitters on the team that we apparently don't know about that are just right. socking three-run home runs every single time. And, yeah, the pitching is bad, but there are, there are other guys, you know, producing all, all these runs. So you're right. Yeah, that's an interesting thing I had never really considered. It's like there are at least three starting pitchers that are unsung heroes and two relievers that are unsung heroes and a guy who was the closer for the first half of the season that was probably somewhat decent before he lost his job to Richard W.T. Vaughn. Right, right. That's uh, what he was known as, I think. W- that was on his first card. His rookie card says Richard, Richard W.T. Quote, W.T. Vaughn. Rick Wilding Vaughn. Uh, another thing is that this team is built around a key player who has to steal a bunch of bases. It's made uh, a goal from the very beginning. Uh, the first play... Uh, he gets on base and is, you know, going to steal all these bases that we'll get back to the climax later. But a lot of it is built around having this guy who can steal bases, which, of course, we know analytically uh, people uh, tend to steer away from stealing and bunting and things like that. So this is very much a small ball team. Uh, you would not see an analytically inclined team built around somebody like Willie Mays Hayes. Um, another famous moment that's absolutely hilarious and like, true in a baseball sense but no analytically inclined manager would ever do this leaving ricky vaughn in in his major league debut he comes in they're down a run in a game early in the season so who knows what could happen all year he's making his mlb debut again out of the bullpen even though we're led to believe later he's been a starter all season and he walks the bases loaded on 12 consecutive pitches. The manager leaves him in to face the most dangerous hitter in the American League who hits a grand slam. And the manager still leaves him in so he can hit the next guy. And it's hilarious. But no way. No chance the manager's leaving Ricky Vaughn. You trying to ruin this guy's MLB career before it starts? That's that's true. Yeah, that, that's a huge piece. And, and you know, of course... You know, in the majors, some players need to learn lessons the hard way. And again, Rick Vaughn, I don't know how good the coaches were over there in the in the California Penal League. <laughs> uh, they probably weren't up to the caliber of, of Lou Brown. But you're right that you have that issue of, of possibly, you know, losing a guy and, and, and totally crushing him entirely. Unless he knows something about Rick Vaughn that he's not quite sure Rick Vaughn even knows about himself. Or maybe he's teaching his team something. That, look, this guy is going to keep fighting, and we're going to show that we want our fighters to be on the mound. We want our fighters in the lineup doing what they do best, which is fight. Because you take him out of that game, you're saying, look, I don't believe in you. Somebody else is going to do it. you got to keep fighting. So, But you're right. That, that, is, that is such an interesting point to, to then leave him in the game at, at, at that, uh, that juncture. And it's, um, you have to question, yeah, I don't know that that would actually happen in, in real life. Whether you're analytically inclined or not, you just would probably not want to set this kid up for right. such failure, right? Skip, he's thrown one pitch and it led to four, or one strike and it led to, to four runs. So maybe he knew what I know about myself, Patrick, mm. which is that deep down inside what you were saying, fighters fight. Fighters have to get back up. So if you've downloaded WGT Golf from DMV or golf.com like I have, and you got wiped in the major, like I did, and the tournament the week before, you cannot give up. Now is the time to 
take the WGT game to the next level. I am ready to Rick Vaughn this thing up. I've been I've been early movie Rick Vaughn in WGT so far, but the day will come. The day will come where I will get Parkman on three straight fastballs. We'll get to that. How um, how, how far are you taking this? Uh... This this metaphor here. I, when, when, How when, you're, yeah. when you're losing, <laughs> will you just take you know a driver on the green and just you know tag it two hundred five yards because you're just frustrated? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that's a Rick Vaughn move right there in WGT golf. I didn't break it. I was testing its durability, and then I placed it in the woods because it's made of wood, and I thought it should be with its family. There you go. So on it that needs to note, go to its home. It should go to its home. To That's its what home. it should do. Its natural environment is in the hole. WGT golf is the most realistic. You can do all that, I promise. Well, you can do most of that, I promise. Uh, it's the most realistic free golf game in the world. Loved by 20 million players around the world. Wow. You can play from the comfort of your couch. Uh, you can do closest to the hole or full stroke play on any world famous golf courses, including Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews. And more, you can compete with DNVR staff, other people in the DNVR community. It's a whole lot of fun, so download it, hit us up, let you, let us know if you're enjoying it. You can let you know if you're enjoying it too, but you'll probably be the first person to know uh, whether or not you're you're enjoying the experience. And get get in now because right now our 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 clubhouse is DNVR two. When it's DNVR thirty eight, you're gonna feel pretty good. Saying, "Hey, I'm I'm in I'm in Group One. We didn't even have a number. We're just D, we just were code DNVR. Now it's DNVR two. Get in now before it gets a little too crazy, and you can say, "Hey, I've been there all along." Right, right. All right, back to Major League. We we got some really good ones coming up here. Uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting was, of course, now now this could just go back to the ownership thing. But again, I would think. Somebody on staff, even a non-health professional, might have figured out that Rick Vaughn can't see before halfway through the season. Somebody somewhere, you would think, might have picked up on that. Though I do love that scene where they they get him fitted for glasses. It's actually the next scene, Patrick, that confused the hell out of me in a way I've never thought of until I watched it through this lens. By the way, the version of the movie that I watched today was the baseball only, so I would like there was no Rene Russo in the version of Major League that I watched today. It was how, like did, how 40 was that minutes, possible? Like, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Or just a baseball just, cut. Yeah, just I, I, I just I just forwarded through everything to get to the baseball stuff. <laughs> so if there were were any away from the field analytic conversations, I missed. Between Jake and, and Rene Russo, then I'm sorry for that. But I don't think so. Um, as far as the glasses go, that's very prophetic. I mean, it, it's happened a few times in Major League Baseball, but Eric Gagne being the biggest one. Right. Dan Evans will have to, to get him on uh, one of these days, former general manager of the L.A. Dodgers, has a good story about Eric Gagne not being able to see. Boom, throws these crazy-looking glasses on and immediately is the best closer that anyone has ever seen over the course of two years, even better than right. Mariano Rivera. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said it. You said it, and it's true. Yeah. Um, so we've seen Rick Vaughn so far, unable to throw a strike in spring training, unable to throw a strike in his MLB debut until he got absolutely crushed, and then he hit a guy. Then he gets fitted for these glasses. The next time we see him out there, he is, according to Bob Euchre, battling for his first career victory. And it's the ninth inning. So I'm led to believe one of two things, Patrick. (laughs) Either 
Rick Vaughn has gone from unable to throw a strike in a middle relief role to pitching a complete game, not necessarily shutout, I can't remember exactly what the score is, but a complete game win. Or they brought him out of the bullpen in the eighth in a tie ball game and went ahead. And we didn't see that part, but he's still back out there in the ninth. So that's why he's not going to get a save, which is probably what they should have just written to make this make sense. <laughs> but if he's going for his first career win, those are the two things. He either started the game or he's been in there for a couple of innings and with a runner at second and two away, they're still trying to let him close it out because apparently, and this will be a theme in the movie, these guys don't give a damn about their closers. Yeah, it, it could have even been the seven. It could have been a three-inning save potentially. Right. Yeah, it's right. it's very unclear throughout that, and I think it's, I think it's only until you really you get to the second movie that it's it's apparent that he was a closer. And again, we we get to that at the end of the movie because in the second one is when he right. starts talking about, well, I'm a starting pitcher now. Right. And he tries to you know re redo his his image entirely, but yeah, right. that's that's an odd choice of word yeah just say say but then again that was still a, somewhat of a new you know statistic at that time like like to yeah. a degree i mean saves had been you know calculated i think some point in the 50s and 60s so you know it had been around but it just wasn't you know it's it's like the hold is today in today's day and age looking for his first hold and you're like woo, i better not change the channel because this guy's gonna get a hold Right. Just, now the save is a little sexier, right? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. A Rolaids relief, uh, you know, man or, or fire fireman of the year. So uh, I think I think it was known, but you're right. They're probably hedging their bets and saying, uh, they're if you're not a hardcore baseball fan, you might not know what the heck that means." Right. Although they do mention the stat a little bit later. So this is interesting. There there are two other things that that um, mess up this idea because. At one point, they mentioned that Rick Vaughn is among the lead league, league leaders in strikeouts. And I thought, well, hmm. if he's a reliever, that's incredibly unlikely. Maybe they meant strikeouts per nine and they just didn't bother, that, again, like that people would know. But later on, they used the statistic strikeouts per nine. And I'll get back to that because the Yankees wow. do something really stupid in the final uh, game here. So... Yeah, all of that was weird. And then there's that scene where the manager uh, tells Rick Vaughn the day before the decisive game to get into the postseason, I think for the pennant or if it's a play. I, I'm actually not, I, again, I was kind of skipping through. I can't remember exactly now if that's like a game 163 situation or it's the final game of the season. They win and they're out. They don't and they're in. But uh, I can't remember exactly what it is or if they're, if, if it's even the ALCS. I don't think it's that. Um <laughs> But it, he pulls Rick Vaughn aside the night before the game and tells him that he's starting Harris, which, uh, and he says, even though it was Vaughn's turn to go in the rotation, again, making us assume that he's been in the rotation all year, which makes the strikeout thing make sense, but makes me wonder why we've literally never seen him start a baseball game. <laughs> we've only seen him come out of the bullpen all movie. What are we doing here? So all that was kind of weird. Yeah. So I, I found a site that has uh, some statistics for uh, Rick Vaughn. I, I don't know where they came from. I don't think they were, like, pulled from a, 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 a scene 
where you know the information was was pulled off of it entirely. But if they're to be believed, Rick Vaughn played in 41 games that season, and he started 19, which is interesting. And he mm-hmm. struck out 129 batters. Now the next two seasons. So that could be among the could be in the top ten or fifteen. It at could the be time, among right? the league because, leaders. Yeah. Because before right. he goes to right. the bullpen, he was leading. And then the next two seasons, which we only see one of, right, in Major League Two. But in ninety and ninety one he strikes out hundred and sixty seven and hundred and ninety eight batters, respectively. So you you can kind of get a feel of like, all right, well if he's towards the leaders, one twenty nine or whatever it was at the point that you know, before he had gone to the bullpen, that, okay, he was striking out a lot of guys, obviously at a much higher, you know, whip, his ERA. His ERA doesn't actually look like it was it was too high, you know, based off of this data. But, and is there also mention that he played with the Dodgers in the minor leagues before he played in the California Penal League? There's something like that, yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm seeing statistics in uh, Great Falls, Idaho, Vero Beach, Bakersfield, which were all, you know. They make a big fans. deal early on about him throwing... 96 miles an hour. <laughs> wow. It's pretty amazing. All right, you ready for the, the all this juicy greatness from the final game We're of this movie? Up. There's so much crazy fun. First of all, I had pointed out before, the, the example that got us started here, right, was an analytic manager or GM would never have allowed Pedro Serrano and at bat, in a key moment against a reliever with such a gnarly hook. But I'm actually moved to ask this question after the montage that led to them, you know, pulling into a tie with the Yankees that shows Serrano just raking. Where are everybody else's analytics? This man literally did not learn how to hit a curveball until the last game of the season. What are dudes doing throwing him fastballs? Where's the rest of the league at on this? He shouldn't still be in the middle of Cleveland's order. The guy should be batting a buck fifty with two hundred fifty strikeouts. He can't hit a curveball. And and I mean, it's either that or there was a left-handed starter on the mound that day, and they don't have a backup first baseman to go. And and you got to say, well, come on, that's that's the easiest position to play defensively. Again, you or I couldn't do it at a major league level, even a even a short season rookie league level but ultimately if you're if you're a, a big leaguer you can transition over to first base especially if you're an infielder so yeah that 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 also seems strange this idea that he would be left in the game much like bill buckner was left in the game and we saw how that ended for boston yeah. in 1986 actually it didn't end it didn't end because it was game six that that happened yeah. but still you're right he should not have been in that game and that pitcher should not should not have thrown him anything other than a curveball Right. And then the whole point is honestly kind of undercut. Go back and watch it. The dude hangs the curveball so much to such an extent that it's basically a spinning batting practice fastball anyway. Like the whole moment it's built up and you're like, he got over his ability to not hit a curve. I'm like, I'm not sure he did. Like if you look at that pitch, I'm like, they didn't really curve that much, man. <laughs> yeah, possibly on baseball savant that would have been read as like a four seam. Like, I don't know. It, yeah. Came in at 87. Yeah. There was, there was not a lot of a spin movement on that ball. Uh, so I'm not sure if it was a four-seamer or maybe a slider that just didn't slide. And then getting back to our, you know, age of pitch counts and what are we doing with our starting pitchers and our bullpen conversation. In this decisive game against the Yankees, 
78-year-old Ed Harris throws eight and two-thirds innings. They leave him out there, and it looks like his arm has fallen off. He's completely falling apart. And they wait until he's uh, got two guys on in the ninth inning before they take him out of the game. Yeah, no no confidence at all in, in Rick Vaughn there, who, again, has obviously made a successful transition in, into the bullpen. But, no, they they wait. You're right, like you said, until Harris gets into a jam. They don't let Vaughn start off with, with the bases clear like you typically would rather than in this instance where you say, all right, you got to get somebody, you know, somebody else out of this jam rather than, hey, you know what, why don't you just start the inning and you feel it out. It, it's kind of a besides a pressure-packed situation, but it's it's not one that you want to put another guy in if you can help it. Let Vaughn start that ninth. So Vaughn comes in uh, with notorious command issues. They're literally singing Wild Thing. Runner in scoring position. <laughs> and he throws three fastballs, and they make a big deal out of it to get Parkman. Uh, and I love that, too. They, they, they bring him in to face a guy who's two for two with two home runs against him in this key moment. Like, there's no one else uh, in your bullpen who's maybe struck him out a couple of times, has had some success. They're like, nope, we're going with Ricky. He's giving him a couple monster jams against this guy. He's got to be due. I guess he's got to be due. Uh, and then they make a huge deal of him throwing only fastballs. To my knowledge, he doesn't have another pitch. Another thing that an analytically inclined GM or manager would have said, can you throw a show-me change-up or a slider, something? As far as I know, Rick Vaughn has one pitch, which seems awfully non-analytic to me. And don't you think that the the owner would, would pressure the GM to say, you know what, people are starting to rally around this guy. And he kind of has some potential. He's he was leading the league in strikeouts at some point. Go ahead and, and trade this guy. Like, I was gonna say yes. Yeah, she never makes, trades anybody away. <laughs> right, that makes your major league you know talent even better. Even even Roger Dorn again, make a deal for him because you probably sign him on a short term contract. Now your your major league team gets that much worse, and maybe you can pick up a prospect or two for the future and. And and then when you do end up moving the team to Miami, which is I think the plan to to kind of to go to Miami and and totally dismantle Cleveland, well you're going to be helping yourself out a lot if you can again kind of put that off for a couple years and and get some talent down in the minor leagues. Yeah, you would think at some point some of those types of moves would be made. But again, and then, <laughs> that would make it almost too realistic, and that would make right. it hard for again for baseball fans to figure it out. You say, look, let's just. It's it's a box. Here are the players. They're not going to change. They're not going to go anywhere. We have to play with it in these parameters, and that's where you get some of these these wacky things. That again, as you said, if you use analytics, half of this stuff, if not seventy five percent of it, would never go down. Right. Um, and I also think that this movie was written by somebody who was probably a huge fan of baseball in the fifties and sixties and seventies, because once again. The Yankees uh, leave in whoever's pitching. I presume their starter, though I don't think it's made a, a big deal of. But uh, they wait until Cleveland get makes two outs in the bottom of the ninth to bring in their closer, Duke something. They just call him the Duke. And this is where they make note of the fact that he has led the league in saves. So they know that's a thing. 
strikeouts per nine, which makes sense for a reliever to do, and hit batsmen, which is funny. Um, but it's also, you know, why would you wait until this time to bring in this dude who's been this dominant? I think they say a couple other things that um, uh, that he hasn't been scored upon in his last 16 appearances. Then why was anybody else pitching in this inning? Uh, yeah. they, they bring him in, and the first guy he has to face is Willie Mays Hayes, and he's known for hitting people. The last thing you want to do is give that guy first base. It's almost as if this is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, how dare you? I'm saying how, squinty eyes. How dare you? I thought that was really funny, though, that the Yankees just don't even bring in this like world-beating closer until there's a single out to get. Hayes gets the infield single. Um then, of course, a very non-analytic thing at the heart of this movie, he steals second base, right? Very, very Dave Roberts for the Red Sox. Mm. Uh, a very, like, the, the, could have been the final out of the game, but those 90 feet matter that much more in that moment. Uh, if Steinbrenner gets... was watching this movie, I, I think he was, be, very clearly it was, must have been one of his favorites, <laughs> because he learned the lesson from the fictitious George Steinbrenner, whoever owned the Yankees in Major League, and he turned around and he says, oh, we got a guy named Mariano Rivera that can do what? Yeah, we're going to throw him for two innings, even though that's unheard of right yeah. now. You got to learn a, learned a lesson from that. The Yankees did not make that mistake again. Wow. So Willie Mays Hayes has stolen second base, where if he's out, I guess we're going to extras. It's a tie game. So I guess you might take that chance there with two outs in the bottom of the ninth at your home ballpark in a tie game. With speed up there. And Jake Taylor, who apparently bats second for this team, <laughs> despite the fact that he's got no knees, um, comes up to the plate. Now, Patrick, I, I submit the following question to you. Is the following genius from an advanced analytic baseball perspective or the most absurd thing you've ever heard in your life? There's two ways to put it. One... Jake Taylor, a catcher, with bad bunts knees. with bad knees, bunts for a hit that scores the winning run from second base. There's another way to put it. I watched this very closely with brand new eyes for the first time in my life. I felt like a child again, Patrick Lyons. <laughs> the Yankees despite the fact that they didn't go to their closer until there were two outs on the bottom of the ninth and do all kinds of other crazy stuff and have been throwing Pedro Serrano fastballs throughout the year, they shifted. And the wrong way. <laughs> it does. It doesn't make sense. Very, it took very an advanced analytic mind. So the only thing Jake could do was lay down a bunt. Now, maybe right. he's got a strong oppo profile. We don't know. Maybe Jake Taylor has never turned on a fastball in his life. And they're thinking, no way if he pulls it down over here. You know, especially if your left fielder's playing shallow because Jake's got no pop. And he's over on the line. Hey, he pulls one down the line. He's not going to score. We're okay. Right, but he never pulls the ball down the line. So they I shift. Mean, Maybe that's smart. Well, what, the third the base is off the bag. Third He's off the bag. It's the DJ LeMayhew shift. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Because cause it doesn't even matter who's at the plate. 
it's it all it takes is two pitches and the game's over. Mays steals. Mays Hayes steals. Or is he W M Hayes? What's what's the uh, DMH proper nomenclature? Yeah. W M H. W M H. Willie Mays Hayes steals third base, and then all you need is you know a pass ball. If Parkman can't get in front of it. Boom, game over. So even just from that standpoint, forgetting who is at the plate, you can't let Hayes steal third base on that. Right. Right. On, you on can't the first let him pitch because in the second one. Right. Boom, that's it. That could be the game right there. So what I read as a shift was almost assuredly a movie-making mistake because they moved the third <laughs> baseman way off the bag to make it semi-realistic that Jake Taylor could beat out a bunt. Uh, it might make sense that they were back, but he's playing way off the bag. And so Jake's bunt, brilliant, because it. let's say it was a shift, a semi-purposeful one, and they believed their third ba- maybe their third baseman's got wheels, and they think he can beat Willie Mays Hayes to the back. So they're not giving him the stolen base, right? They're shifted over because they believe that Jake can't pull. And he literally does the thing that everyone in baseball who hates the shift has been saying for 10 or 15 years that no one seems to do. Bunt to where they're not. Put the ball where there are no defenders. So is it a brilliant advanced thought by Jake Taylor to lay down the bunt in that situation, or is it poppycock? It's poppycock from the sense that he's a veteran player who sees an opportunity and says, I'm only going to get one shot at doing this thing that nobody in the ballpark expects, and that is lay down this bunt and leg out an infield single. And, and he knows what his abilities are. He knows what's at stake, and he said, I can do that one last time because I think my career is coming down to an end. I feel like this movie's going to have some good box office numbers. I may be the manager next year. You know, with the things that go through your mind. <laughs> the the stuff that happens. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Right, right, right. <laughs> and and, and I, think it, I think it just falls more in line with that, just being a veteran player and seeing what's going on with that. With that. And, and really, it's, it's the Yankees, like you said. What the heck are the Yankees doing? Right. And every call they make is wrong. Yeah. Just, just brutally, brutally run franchise in that movie. Why you ever throw that guy a fastball? So there you go. And then Adam saying that'll maybe that'll be the next one that we do. That statistically speaking, <laughs> Benny the Jet stealing home was probably an extremely ill-advised decision, uh, almost certainly. Uh, so that may be another one that we. Although that that might be hard to go through that whole movie. There's a, there's not a lot of major league. But we're analytically inclined. <laughs> Say yeah yeah. Get a little closer to the bag. Shift over. Shift over. This guy's a dead pole hitter. Yeah, yeah. Get into the gap. And Smalls would be their GM. He's like, guys, I've been keeping stats big time here. <laughs> Remember I caught that one ball that, that Benny hit right directly into my mitt? Yeah. Well, I've been crunching these numbers, and, and yeah, it would, it would go from there. I just find it weird that Benny the Jet steals home, and, again, we don't know you know how early he, he is in his career. I imagine it's – it's somewhat later on down the line because he's already known as the Jet, so it's not his major league debut. And, you know, doesn't point to his significant other or his parents or someone who had recently passed away and points to the heaven. He's like, my buddy from when I was a kid who my also guy. is employed by the Dodgers. I'm pointing to you, brother. But I, you got, yeah, I love it. I, I, I love that I believe you drew, all of it. You did not ruin the film majorly. You just, I, I think, allowed me and the rest of our listeners and viewers of our live podcast on YouTube, which you can also get on iTunes, 
to really next time this movie is on, which should be probably every day since it's the closest thing to actual baseball we can get, right. to go and look and see if you can find more game in-game moments or other pieces that in today's day and age would that happen analytically was that kind of going against the grain and i think you've just kind of you know you didn't ruin the film by any means you kind of gave it a a, a second life here to yeah there's just say, another way to look how at can it, we yeah. analyze that yeah. in fact a few years ago um i'm pretty sure there was a, a huge baseball nerd and i say that because i am one who went back and looked in the Peanuts comic strip, because, of course, Charlie Brown's a big baseball player, and he went through and calculated all of the statistics in Peanuts. Oh, that's fantastic. Charles Schultz's famous comic strip. Oh, that's so fantastic. That's kind of one of those things. You've kind of ascended to that level here at this conversation. Excellent. On behalf of of all of us who enjoyed this now, thank you. Well, everyone out there, let me know if you uh, want me to watch another baseball movie and go through it with an analytic mind and tell you all of the things that I think would be done differently. Again, hopefully in in a fun way that that this makes the the movie, because like I said, everything that they did was great. That's obviously a classic. Nobody could ever ruin Major League. I'm not going to ruin movies. That's not the goal, but it is fun to like, that's kind of different. You know what else is fun, Patrick? What? Winning some money. Because oh, you know your sports, and DraftKings Sportsbook gets you set up to do exactly that. That long wait is finally over. Legal sports betting has come to Colorado, and with it, DraftKings Sportsbook, you got to download that app right now. you got to use that code DNVR. All above board, you know that. You may have seen some other sports betting things out there. You don't want to get involved in any of that stuff. You know you can trust DraftKings Sportsbook. they got everything located right here in the United States of America, not some offshore nonsense. It's safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And there are special odds and promotions throughout the weekend. We've even got you set up right here at DNVR with a show that, statistically speaking, makes you money. DNVR bets. If you follow those guys, they're on, again, this YouTube channel that hopefully you're watching us on right now, just a few moments from when I'm speaking. They'll be on. They'll be talking about all kinds of sports. And if you have taken their advice throughout the time they've been on, you've made money. It's as simple as that. Uh, and, and this is, and as Patrick has pointed out, or, or I'm sorry, as, as, as the professor, um, the math magician, Andre Simone has pointed out to me, um, this is them breaking down sports that they're they're not, I wasn't going to say they're unfamiliar with. Actually, Dre knows his fighting. He knows his UFC pretty well. Uh, and, obvi- and RK and Dre know golf. They, uh, you know, Dre knows his soccer a little bit. So when they get into Bundesliga, RK and Dre both know baseball, I think, well enough. They've proven their KBO record is pretty good out there. Very but, good. Um, this is before they've been even able to advise you on the sports that like major league baseball, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, the things they really know that hopefully are coming back very soon. So if you really know those things and you want to get in on the action, make a little bit of money, make sure you download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up because for a limited time, all new users get a sign up bonus of up to one thousand dollars i didn't say that incorrectly a thousand bucks a g as they used to say this weekend is father's day so if you want to 
get ahead of that. And maybe you just want to plunk down some some good old-fashioned hard cash. You need to be tuned into DNVR bets this week. And maybe even later on in the week, we're going to highlight the Belmont Stakes. So horse racing is back. Saturday, it's typically the final leg of the Triple Crown. It's now the first leg of the Triple Crown. And that's going to be a big event on Saturday, right before Father's Day. Tune into DNVR bets because they're going to hook you up with some DraftKings Sportsbook insider information. Um, and if you are a big golf person, boy, are they blowing it out over there. You can yeah. do like hole-by-hole hole betting. Like There's all kinds of fun ways to get into it. So you download that DraftKings Sportsbook app today. You can get the sign-up bonus of up to a thousand bucks. Just enter code DNVR when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restriction apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Patrick, we wanted to wrap this thing up with a fun new segment. We hope to uh, do more and more in the future. We're probably, I think we're calling it the Memorabilia Minute. We'll probably spend more than one minute on it, but we love alliteration. Love love alliteration. And uh, for our very first momentous Memorabilia Minute, why don't you share? I got some stuff. With the people, what you have. So this is this is one of the first things I saw uh, when I came back home all weekend. Drove Colorado back to New Jersey, where I'm from. Little known fact, I am from New Jersey. Is that right? And uh, yeah, in my in my childhood home, and you can see some of the memorabilia behind me that uh, my father has, has kind of collected. So a lot of Yankee stuff, but I got I got one Rockies cap right where my thumb's at. There it is. But a uh, neighbor across the street said, "Hey, I checked with my sons." And they didn't want any of this stuff. So here you go. So got a, got a whole bunch of sets from 91 to 93 tops. Um, the, the entire 78 and 79 tops set, with, along with some dupes that came wrapped up in rubber, rubber bands, which you know is a no-no. But uh, they were okay. a Mets family. And there were a couple cool things uh, to That's show. Okay. Uh, here's a sweet program from 1973, the second year. Or not the second year, no, that would be the twelfth year of the uh, of the New York Mets. Love a good scorecard. And two things from the nineteen seventy seven season. One is the official yearbook, which is pretty neat. And it's it's cool flipping through old magazines and seeing cigarette advertisements right. or uh, <laughs> beer ads like Schaefer's. Um, but this one stood out as being somewhat unique. I'm not sure if this was a giveaway or you had to purchase it, but it's uh, New York Mets. 1977 photo album. It's really interesting thin and literally just has photographs in it. And the pictures are really crisp. And there were a couple Colorado connections. Uh, on the second page is Bob Apodaca. There's the DAC. These pictures are, are real crisp looking. And it looks like there's a signature on it, but I'm 99% sure uh, those aren't. Some of them look realer than others. But I so think that one looks. Yeah, a photograph of a photograph is going to look real, but they're they're all signed in the same spot across the chest, so that's kind of an indicator that they're yeah. they're not legit. But man, yeah. it, I want it to be real. They're not. Uh, also in here uh, were some like old box scores, which is pretty interesting. You, how you know 
before baseball reference, that was your only source you'd go through and see if a guy got a hit, did he score a run, did he have an RBI, nothing about batting average, nothing about OPS, none of that stuff. And uh, we got Dave Kingman's on that team. And then also interesting, uh, again, the, the second Colorado connection is, of course, John Stearns, who played for the University of Colorado. They there he University is. of Colorado uh, at Boulder. They ended uh, their program in 1980, so not much longer past this, basically due to the fees and, you know, Title IX came around. It said we need to have the same amount of, of sports teams for, for um Men and women. Uh, Joe Torrey, during his young playing days, uh, there he, he is. Go on to ma- manage the Mets, but there he is, the former catcher, third baseman, first baseman. And one other thing that was in here besides the official schedule, where you can see like prices, you know, for a ticket, like five dollars was most the, the most expensive ticket. For general admission is a dollar thirty. Yeah, like oh my gosh, you have Mister Met and Lady Met. I know our buddy Dan's gonna. Enjoy seeing some of these retros. And also inside of this, as happens when you get artifacts given to you or you purchase them at a yard sale, you flip through and there's like a letter. And a letter was written, uh, not sure by who, but it says, Dear Mets fan, on behalf of so-and-so in the Leukemia Leukemia Society of America, thanks so much for contributing to our fight for leukemia. And... Mm. uh, it was signed by Gary Carter, the national sports chairman for the organization. And within that envelope also was a 1986 Gary Carter card that is actually signed. That's um, cool. SASE stands for self-addressed stamped envelope where you send, uh, you know, you mail it to a team or if you happen to have a, a player's home address. Inside that letter to the player is another envelope with a stamp on it to say, look, you don't have to spend any money on a stamp. Just sign this card, please. Put it in the envelope, and it already has my address on it, and you send it back. So that was what happened in this instant. And uh, I don't believe I actually own any uh, Gary Carter-signed memorabilia. He's unfortunately has uh, since passed away. So um, that was a a neat little treasure, you know, to have found in there. And it really just kind of made me want to – go to a, a flea market or a yard sale and just say, what other crap could I buy that I don't really want, but maybe I want it someday in the future, and it would just be cool to collect dust somewhere in my home. So that was a couple of neat things that um, that, I, that I, was, I was glad to see that, that my dad had just got, like I said, from one of our neighbors. Yeah, that, that's really cool stuff. You would have been, Were you watching the the tdsp when we, we started talking about john stearns and i didn't know who he was <laughs> no I, I must have I was, missed that one yeah, yeah i was gonna say you would have been so much better at that than me because i just uh, I, yeah not too many players like i said 1980 was when you know cu ended their baseball program it's strange they're in they're in you know pack 12 of everything else and that would be amazing that was one of the first things i was disappointed to learn about when i moved to to boulder was like oh my god USC, UCLA, University of Washington, all of these future first-round draft picks. They're going to be coming to Boulder. Oh, man, there's so much baseball here. Wait, what's that? 1980, they, they, they ceased yeah. play? Oh, maybe I can go up to Fort Collins. and Nope, they ended, I think, in 92. Mm-hmm. So right now there's currently only two Division One 
baseball schools in the state of Colorado. Some really good Division Two and JUCO programs, but uh, not as much you know top-notch baseball coming through the state, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you were listening to this in podcast version and you're going, man, I really wanted to see that stuff that Patrick was holding up to the camera, do what you can to join us for these live. We're doing them 3 o'clock p.m., sometimes a little bit after 3, but generally around 3 o'clock p.m., Monday through Friday. Uh, again, you can join us on Facebook or, or Periscope, but really do look for that uh, YouTube. It's the best way to do it. You can subscribe to us there. It'll get you set up. It'll let you know when we're going ahead of time. You can even come into the room a little bit early and leave chat. Um, it, it, there are just so many good things for you that, that come from taking it in through the YouTube experience. And if you just click on the little like button, it always helps more people find the videos. It does a lot of help for us. We really, really appreciate if you do that. And then in the future, let us know again with these two segments that we started off here today. Uh, what kind of memorabilia are you most interested in? If you've got something really interesting you want to show off, hit us up on the discord the dnvr lounge let us know we can arrange for you to come on the show uh even if you just want it to be for a few minutes we're working towards if you guys have seen the the dnba guys playing some fun games with you doing all kinds of stuff but if you just want to pop on the show for five minutes and and show us a baseball card you got signed by somebody really cool let us know we will do it and again let me know you know what other movies you want us to take that analytic uh comb on there yeah, if you're a subscriber, go to the, our Discord channel. I mean, we, we want to improve and increase the, the interaction that we have with you guys. And like Drew said, if you've got something to show us and want to tell us about it, we are all for show and tell. And Drew's got a lot of good stuff, too. He's, he's, he's collected a lot over the years, so I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of things you've got as well. Yeah, it's going to be just as much fun for us because we're not going to know what the other person has and doesn't. I didn't know any of that stuff. I was just... I yeah. was ready to I see it. I so. didn't know it before yesterday when my dad showed. He <laughs> said, hey, check out this cool stuff we got. All right, there we go. Got some cool stuff. Uh, so it's going to be a whole lot of fun here moving forward, and that's one of the reasons why you should subscribe to the DNVR.com so you can participate in all of this stuff. Of course, you got to follow on all the social media. Always helpful to do that. And make sure that you're getting some cool merch. I really love this shirt. I think it's technically a Nuggets one, but there's, I mean, it's a, it's just a Denver sports shirt. It's so awesome. Uh, we have all kinds of cool sales going on. Make sure you check out all of that. Otherwise, can only ever ask that you remain completely awesome out there. We will remain completely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. 